Hey Beaver fam, it's Sarah Hendigas, pitcher for the Oregon State softball team. Thanks for tuning in to the Belligerent Beavs podcast. Go Beavs and chop them. <laughs> Roller coaster of a dream. The highs were high. The lows were lows. Uh, the other highs were even higher. Thanks to Benny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and somehow at the end of it, the beeves are four and two. Just how we drew it up, <laughs> it all went according to plan. This is the Belligerent Beeves Podcast, the 67th episode of the show, and thank you for being here, Beaver fam. What up? What up? What up, Beaver fam? I'm gonna. This is this is your your co-host of the Belligerent Beaves Podcast, Terry Horston. Speaking. What's up? How are you? Uh, I'm I'm here with my dear friends as always, but right now, Beaver Beaver fam, I want to hear from you. How are you doing? Are you okay? Are you going on a 60-hour hangover because of how crazy that fucking game was? <laughs> and how late it ended? Are you still up? Good God! Are you still up? I haven't gone to sleep yet. <laughs> I, I was yeah. ready. Where were you watching it again, Terry? Uh, it was uh, it, it was at sunrise. In uh, the Boundary Waters National Park. No, I was uh, uh, our, our our good friend uh, and University of Washington alum uh, Baba Ganoush uh, with with the and with the dude who does who you guys are close with, but he has formally requested to not use his name on the podcast. Uh, his alias is Baba Ganoush. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, but he had a, a bonfire at his place, so I was why I went from watching the game outside. That's where I was on the t- on the Twitter Spaces, and I had like ten friends around me. We had a few friends in town this weekend, uh, so like people were just sort of yelling shit, which kind of, which kind of makes the spaces more colorful and fun. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I stayed on mute a bit a bit more more than I normally do. But you were uh, also stayed on fan. mute uh, in our text thread a little bit more than normal i i had what's up with that man no no you went went like two hours without without talking to us you went two whole hours being unplugged (laughs) what a piece of shit what a bad friend are we even friends anymore yes we're friends this is this is why benny should we invite him to our other thread or no jp is (laughs) a thread of the text chain you guys have with each other <laughs> yes, please use that more often especially when you're hanging out without me but no so i ended up uh staying at uh my friend's house and i like went from like the, oh, like literally like three four hour bonfire inside finished the game we were going crazy we woke his wife up <laughs> his pregnant wife so so many people be like my wife is pregnant and i woke her up when i screamed when treshawn harrison's going i was like that's a fucking theme because i'm i'm not married and i woke up someone else's pregnant wife uh, so that's the doghouse that i'm dealing with uh i woke up and i like i still smelled like a bonfire as I, I slept on my dude's couch i had a bonfire last night we did that too but not as big as yours was maybe we only did it for to roast and a little bit of marshmallows and Dope. yeah just to i mean it was a beautiful day in the northwest yesterday and so i, I like okay first and foremost the apm kick was terrible 
to watch to the conclusion. It was amazing to get things done all day. And that is not, true. And not have your schedule interrupted with a football game that goes for four hours. So it is kind of nice. You can, and especially when you push that two hours even later. Yeah, I was thinking for, about you the whole time. My, yeah, it was it was crazy. <laughs> when we were down twenty four to ten, I was just like, well. I'll watch the rest, but it's going to be a limp to the finish. I'll basically I'll sleepwalk as a as a visual as a as a viewer through this fourth quarter. Uh, but then the, basically it was like the second or third play of the fourth quarter. But Ben Goldbranson and Silas Bolden were like, "No, you won't." Yeah, wake <laughs> up, Silas Bolden <laughs> with mm. Chris Carter esque toe tap mm. to get that touchdown, and followed by belligerent Beavs athlete Damian Martinez weaving through. Uh, carving more holes in the Stanford defense than a thing of Swiss cheese. And then, of course, Trey, our boy, our, who we've championed, roller coaster year, a lot of ups, a lot of downs. But goddamn, he's been exciting. Trey Sean Harrison with the Stefan Diggs like Minneapolis miracle. It was basically the same set part of the field, the same distance, the same type of touchdown. Uh, JP, please play five seconds of My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion from the Titanic soundtrack. <laughs> that is exactly what I thought of when that play was happening, uh, too, exactly. with the Miss Minneapolis Miracle. It was, it was very so similar. Wild. And yeah. then Go Branson even put his arms up the same way like Case Keenum did, the like, oh, oh my God. Oh. <laughs> what else What, what else should you do at, the, at that point, though? Like, exactly. You don't. You know he did not anticipate his throw upon release would lead to a game-winning touchdown because that was not even probably the the play design. It was to catch the ball, move the chains, get out of bounds, right. stop the clock. Clearly, that was a surprise to everyone, including that Stanford uh, defensive back who I, I was literally say, didn't even realize that that ball was coming. <laughs> I, I was <laughs> That Stanford defensive back still has his arms up somewhere on this field at, <laughs> at the farm. Right that now. Stanford <laughs> defensive back has a name. His name is Ethan Bonner. And I was about to shout out Ethan Bonner, the one person more surprised than every Oregon State fan when that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Played pretty good defense, and somehow Trishon just caught it off his head. Uh, Ethan Bonner, if this gets to you somehow... Send us a DM. We'll send you a belligerent beefs T-shirt. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> as, as, as a form of goodwill. Yeah. <laughs> Good, goodwill. That's a hell of a concession. Are you kidding me? On us, buddy. Yeah. On us. <laughs> no, we'll send you one a full a full price. Yeah, I know. You're, we'll send you actually a double. Uh, yeah, we'll send you one. You know, I know it's probably disappointing, but whatever. You're getting a Stanford education. You'll get over this. That's yeah, you'll right. start some corrupt company like they highlighted on the ESPN broadcast. <laughs> that was so <laughs> corrupt company started by Stanford alums. I was like, are we the are we the fucking people broadcasting this? That's some <laughs> shit we would do. <laughs> I think JP texted the group chat like, I honestly can't stand these fucking nerds. And then a minute later, Mark Jones was like, and here's a list of co uh, fraudulent companies started by Stanford alone. Dude, that, the uh, the broadcasting crew that they Robert, had Robert last Griffin night. III learned that beaver was a slang term for vagina for like the first time <laughs> last night. It was and so he had, like, good. Like a 12-year-old's level of enthusiasm for like using bad words that aren't actual bad words. <laughs> it, it, it was it was magnificent. It was amazing. You know what was funny is, so, and we'll get into this uh, possibly a little bit later, uh, that, <laughs> that Oregon State Twitter 
was on fire last night. Um, and even between the anger that was directed in many different directions, uh, I think <laughs> everyone was still admiring the broadcasting crew, yeah. which is to, something to be said. I think that a lot of times that anger goes at the broadcasting crew, but I think everyone was, uh, was enjoying that part of the game. Was this the widest range of emotions we've seen from Oregon State Twitter ever in a three-hour period? No, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll counter-argue that because I think a lot of people who were ready to cancel this team and move on to basketball uh, were oh. <laughs> have, have not repented, really. They said they're, you know, like they stand by their word or I've seen lots of different ways that people are trying to be like, well, you know, I, I, I maybe was wrong, but like I wasn't wrong at the time. And honestly, that is, a, that is an okay take. Like they weren't wrong at the yeah. time. Oh, of course. But I don't know if it was a wide wide range because I think like the celebration, the high, of the celebration at the end of the game was insanely high, and it. But it was short lived compared to the doldrums of the entire game. I like you can't <laughs> but you can't say like four hours of gameplay went by and where everyone felt miserable for like I, I think... thirty minutes of midnight madness. Like it's. <laughs> It's e not a wide ESPN's range. ESPN's win probability percentage graph was one of the craziest I've th I've seen. The only one crazier I've seen happened earlier in the day when the <laughs> Seattle Mariners came back to beat the Blue Jays. <laughs> Benny, I know you're not alone in this of people who are big Mariners fans and also big Beaver fans. A pr pretty dramatic day for you. Uh, I'm very happy to see you didn't have a heart attack. Yeah. But I'd be surprised if the number of heart attacks in the Pacific Northwest uh, in a 24-hour period on Saturday were, were higher than normal. My oh, my app my Apple Watch I, I died I think in part because I kept on getting notifications that my heartbeat was over 120 beats per minute. I was like, <laughs> your heart's dead. Occasions. We give up. <laughs> <laughs> How there's is it nothing, still beating at this point? There's nothing else we can do. <laughs> yeah, that was an exciting exciting Saturday. Um, which it's interesting though because I feel like I can get pessimistic when my teams are not looking like they're going to win the game. Um, and they're, I think just watching that Mariners game and how that turned out gave me hope where it was like, ah, we're still in this. Like, no matter what, we're down two touchdowns. We got this. And um, yeah, so it's much more fun to watch the game that way. Uh, by the way, Beaver, Beaver fan. When you remember that anything's possible. Yeah, that's right. JP, please play five seconds of I'm on a boat by Lonely Island, preferably the part where they say, like Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. I have the. I'll send you the timestamp of the song later to help you out. Thanks, Jay. Thanks. Yeah, that's why you're the best in the biz. That's why. Yeah, right. That's why you're the Treshawn Harrison on Ethan Bonner of podcast. <laughs> you know the other thing about last night's game, uh, talking about the emotion going from super low to super high. I, I can't think of a touchdown that you could put in with the group of three touchdowns that we saw with Silas's, uh, Damian's, and then Treshawn's that would be a more exciting touchdown than those three. I, I, I think that that's the longest run that we've seen for a touchdown this season. Um, and Silas's catch is getting overshadowed by, I mean, right. sort of rightfully so, by Treshawn's um, crazy catch. But, like, that catch was incredible. I, like, but so was, was the ball. Such a good catch. So the was ball. the ball. Yeah, the ball. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, because the right. ball, the ball, Harrison was clearly underthrown, and like he had to turn. That might have been his worst ball of the game. And it, but right. it, and it helped yeah. him, I think. I mean, I, I don't think that that play results in the way that it does unless that ball's underthrown because 100%. it confused everybody. But but uh, Colbranson's throw to Bolden in the end zone was just threading the needle, Ooh. and. And I mean, Silas made him look good too by snatching that thing and dropping the toe. And like, what do you, what do you, what right. do you do as a de- defense when you're like, well, I don't know. I mean, I was all over that guy, and I, I was on the ball. I saw it come in, and I just couldn't get my hand over to it in time. And the guy made a great play, but the, yep. but also Gilbranson made a great throw, and and I think that's why it's overshadowed. Obviously, there's not, it's not, was it a game winner, but it kept us in the game. And But, right. but uh, Harris's was, you know, kind of one guy doing something. So I think that's yeah. why it's easier to remember that. We're going to get into the highs and the lows of all this, uh, Beaver fam. If you're one of the people sort of calling to have everything uh, everything get burned down when we were down 24 to 10 at, at Stanford against the, the stupid tree. Uh, <laughs> don't, we're not, we're not going to give uh, Oregon State football a complete pass on all of this. Uh, I don't think you'll be satisfied with any of our, our negative takes or on that side of the ball, whatever. But it was kind of interesting. And I, this is a point that we'll unpack more later, I'm sure. But like, Benny, you mentioned just the absolute stunning highlights of those three touchdowns. And it was like crazy to uncork three of those uh, in the span of one quarter. Right. While also being like pretty inept on short yardage situations and like <laughs> the two point conversions. It's like, that's something our like, like goal to go third and short two point area, whatever is something I was very confident in our offense heading into this season. Yep. Breaking off big plays was something I was less confident in. And it was like, I'll, I, I think we got the talent for it, but I'll believe it when I see it. And this entire fourth quarter really started this game. It was like, all right, high percentage, third and short. No, that's gone. We don't do that anymore. We're going to take, <laughs> we're going to, so much so that we're going to take a fucking knee on the last two point conversion of the game. <laughs> but we do have three sports that are top 10 nominees. And yeah, that, I think that was also just part of it. You know why uh, the game ended up being as exciting as it was because there was just so many big plays in that fourth quarter. Right. Yeah. No. Such I a totally wild agree. ride. Yeah. Such such a wild ride. Oh well. Anyway, what matter what matters is we went down there. We got the dub. JP did not go down there because his entire household was sick, except for me. Except for you. You nice. still look good. Good job. Yeah. I don't know Congrats. how it happens every time. Your your mom was there. Mama Bertram was there yeah. in a in a Chopham shirt yeah. as well. So thank you, thank you, JP's mom. Thanks, mom, for for holding it down. She was um, the difference, I think. She was. Yeah. yeah, she was. And the Oregon State fans passing a water bottle around <laughs> that may or may not have had uh, some banned liquids no, that they had, are like, not they had, at... they had like Mio water flavor in it. That was all. It was like it was yeah, that, that's all flavored it was. Yeah. water. It was like yeah. Or pineapple yeah. flavored water, dude. The vitamins in that are stacked. Yeah, Pac-12 after yeah. dark. You got to replenish your electrolytes. You need that, that is true. That B24. That B. That, that B12 times two. That's even better than B25. <laughs> oh, B25. Oh, that's B25. Yeah. That's B25 minus a whole year of aging. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah. Incredible game. We're so excited to. Uh, 
uh, break it down uh, even further. And then we've got uh, we've got some soccer, we've got some baseball, we've got some softball news. Uh, there's a, a brand new basketball piece on the dive. I don't know if we'll chat too much basketball because it's really just we're a, now less than a month away from the start of basketball season, and we wanted to. Shout out uh, Talia von Olhoffen for her birthday. So happy birthday, Talia von Olhoffen. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Talia. Happy birthday, 100%. Um, but yeah, I think we should uh, get in uh, to to some some beers. we got a lot to toast to. Oregon State football, 4-2. Uh, we, all three of us, enjoyed a nice NFL win today. Yeah. Uh, our reading NFL interests are first in their divisions. Yeah. So the, ba- the babies just stay winning right here what a <laughs> victorious weekend i'm gonna roll into work all like swagged out tomorrow uh, I'm, in, I'm in a good mood um so benny what are what are you celebrating and rocking with tonight yeah i just did an edible so that's 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 my um that, that's just my vibe tonight any details on this edible flavor profile it was uh, sour strength it Ooh. was sour i've had them before they're relatively strong um, but again, uh, I don't really do this outside of this podcast, so we'll see how it hits this time. Cause last <laughs> time I got far too high near the end of the episode. So, um, we, we hit yeah. and recorded and Benny was like, wow, I got way higher than I planned. <laughs> Fingers crossed it doesn't happen. And then I got yelled at for stopping the recording. This is why we don't stop the recording. Yeah. You never stop rolling. Keep the camera rolling. Tell Ben that you stopped the recording so he'll say things he thinks are off the record. <laughs> ben, if you're, yeah, if you're high enough, you'll be like, Recording stopped. And that way you'll think. <laughs> Wait, was that JP or was that oh, the. Thank God. Was that the Zoom British lady or was that one of my friends? I don't know. Oh, nice. Uh, sour, edi- sour edibles. The, yeah. uh, sou- the sour beers of the uh, edible game. Yeah, it was in lieu of the mm. sour feeling that Oregon State fans had of Oregon State in the first three quarters. So there you, there go. you go. That's how you bring it back. Yeah. Mm, cool, dope, mm-hmm. nice, Jay. Well, I'm having a sour beer. You are having a sour beer. I am having Wonderful. a sour beer. I had some Sour Patch Kids earlier. Whoa. Underrated Edibles. candy. Very good candy. Yeah. Well, I want to. I want to take this time to, to uh, ask you guys a question. Did you guys know that October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month? I, I did, did know that. You did. Good. Did you know that one in eight women in the United States will be diagnosed with breast cancer in her lifetime? I did one not know that. That seems super high. I know. That's yeah. too high. What about the fact that, of course, men can get breast cancer too, and that in, in 2022, an estimated 2,700 men will be diagnosed with breast cancer in the United States. And on average, every two minutes, a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer. So essentially, since we started talking about our vices probably two women have unfortunately been diagnosed with breast cancer and i'm not done i want to make sure i'm using my time to bring awareness to this in this month because it all ties together in a second but even more concerning is the disparity with breast cancer is insanely high that uh death rates with breast cancer are 40 percent higher among black women in the united states than white women and that breast cancer is the leading cause of cancer death in Latin women living in the United States. And so I think we need to shine a light on that and bring some equity there, make make healthcare more accessible and equitable for people of color who are facing this terrible disease, especially. But there is a bright side. 
there's a bright side, at least right now, that uh, I would like to point out is there are over 3.8 million breast cancer survivors in the United States. And so my beer tonight is a cheers and a toast to them. And it is called Scars Are Beautiful. And it is a beer that is going, there's a nationwide movement, essentially, that breweries are participating in. And it started with Kinship Brewing in Waukee, Iowa, which I've never heard of. But they are, you know, sharing a recipe or a base of a recipe and allowing breweries all over the place to um, join in on the cause. And this one is from Great Notion, and they are donating their proceeds to Fighting Pretty, which is located here in Portland as a nonprofit. And one thing that I thought was really interesting was uh, this is a quote uh, as to why this all began from Jess, uh, who is a, uh, a brewer for Kinship Brewing uh, Company. Uh, who's part of this or spearheading this whole movement? And she said uh, she's also a breast cancer previvor, so you know pre-diagnosis. But she said uh, my scars represent beauty, change, and continued growth. I had a double mastectomy twice, and it has been a journey and a path to self-love. I'm so darn proud of how far I've come. Let's normalize scars. Let's celebrate body changes. So to the survivors, to those afflicted by the disease. To those experiencing it currently, uh, cheers to you from us for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We got you. Cheers. And that is Kinship Brewing based in Waukee, Iowa, and uh, Great Notion Brewing in Portland, which I hope all of our listeners are familiar with at this point. So you can get uh, the Scars Are Beautiful version, uh, Great Notion version, and have uh, those proceeds Go to Fighting the Good Fight as well, and I'm sure there are many, many other breweries around. So check out Kinship Brewing, and thank you very much, JP, for br- bringing bringing that attention to to the always popular beer segment. You're welcome. And, yeah, thanks, and JP. And for letting us know that Great Notion is is involved. And I'm I'm guessing this one gets a 5.0 on Untapped because it's it's a little unproblem it's a little problematic for you to give it like yeah. Yeah, let's uh, help all these people out. It's it's a three point two for me, but you know, get, rating aside, it, it, the rating doesn't awesome. even matter. This is it actually is a really, really, really good sour. They did a great job. So if you like sours, go go grab yourself a four pack and go support the cause. Nice, I love sours, man. And Great Notion does them well. Yeah. Oh yeah, some of the yeah. best. Yep. I'd say they do them great. <laughs> yeah. That's that's my notion. Nice. I was gonna say what a notion. <laughs> What a notion. <laughs> um, well, I promise that this is it. I had no idea what JP or Benny's vices were before the vice segment. So this is not me making fun of what is absolutely a, a noble cause and an important cause and something that we all need to put our attention towards and our resources towards. Uh, but I have a craft lager from Surly Brewing Company, which is based here uh, in Minnesota. And I thought it was appropriate on a day that the the Vikings won for me, and and the Beavers had a epic come from behind win, and to keep to keep the Pac-12 championship hopes alive for this season. And uh, terminology that's uh, common uh, here in Minneapolis-St. Paul and the entire state of Minnesota is just you know I just want the Vikings to do it once before I die. Um, so Surly has before I die craft lager. <laughs> which I have not had before, actually. I just saw it in the liquor store and picked up this afternoon. But after a Vikings victory against the Bears, 
and figured I should get it and, you know, celebrate this victorious weekend with. So before I die, craft blogger, see, there's great Viking branding and colors there. So salute. Skull. I probably should use skull for cheers when I'm cheersing the Vikings version. And I, yeah, probably that would make sense. That I don't think Viking me. said salute. I don't think Vikings said salute. <laughs> they did say skull. <laughs> Uh, and in most uh, areas in Scandinavia, they do say skull, but we're not here to Why talk about Why aren't you skull. drinking out of a bone? <laughs> Where's your bone? It's, <laughs> it's back there. I could. It's a lot of work. It's kind of it's kind of gross. <laughs> if you're if you're new here, listener, when I was the best man in JP's wedding, uh, many many moons ago. He got me a hollowed out Vikings horn with the Minnesota Vikings logo carved into it to use as a drinking horn. And it is a very cool piece of artwork. It is a little more, <laughs> it's a little more bone marrowy than most of my other drinking implements that I have in my apartment, I would say. Uh, the beer gets warm very fast when you pour it in there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so no, I think I'm just gonna leave that in its uh, display on the bookshelf behind me, where where it mm. where it should be. It's okay. it's still appreciated though. It's still appreciated. Sure. Though. Okay, wipe that long look off your face because we're about to talk more about Oregon State football's 28-27 victory. Wait, over the before we we didn't cheers. You can stop. Oh, I'm gonna keep this in, but I got I something. Said- one more thing. Okay. Cheers to the beeves. Cheers to breast cancer survivors. Cheers to the Mariners. Cheers to the Niners. Cheers to my kid who made me this. Oh, that's very cool. That is cool. Nice little card there yep. from the mini bubbe. And cheers to my uh, third kid on the way. What? No. Oh. Are you shitting me right now? No. <laughs> you saw it. What? You saw it. What did you find you saw out? Aaron Stevens have his third kid. Yeah. And you were like, ah, yeah. come on, baby. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. You can't be one Congrats, up like that. Man. Thank you, guys. Yeah. <laughs> when did you find out? Oh, a while ago. <laughs> now you, oh, you just wow. found out now. <laughs> nice. We are finding Listen, we are finding out now. Holy shit. Congrats, That's man. That's awesome, Thanks. man. Wait, how, how long has it been? When When is little Draymond Bertram? <laughs> uh, <laughs> April 18th is the due date. Nice. Okay. Yeah, we're nice. not going to find out if it's a boy or a girl. Right. Okay, because so we already have one of ours. So we're yeah, there you go. And, and hand me down. Yeah. Dray- Dray- Draymond goes both ways, always. Really, that's the Draymond's very depends on if they'll punch with their left or right. Yeah, well, we gotta, <laughs> yeah, we gotta see. We do know that they will punch a JP. That that much is is, is for sure. All right. Well, you, sorry. So JP is definitely not coming to Omaha then this spring, but that's okay because uh, <laughs> Bert, Bert, third baby. Holy shit! Wow, yeah. that's amazing, that's man. Well, we can hand we can hand the podcast off to them when when we're old and yeah, yeah, we really can. <laughs> nice. Eighteen years left. Everett's yeah. already got the first episode recorded. He did do an episode of his own a year and a half ago, and he like refuses to do another one. He keeps telling me he wants to do another one, but he won't actually sit and do it. So do it, yeah. It's five year olds, man. Whatever. Ex- exactly. Is that episode still on? Yeah. Like Spotify. Okay. Yeah. It's like Ev's miniature world episode Ev, one of one. Ev's 
It's a one of a kind, baby. Ev's Miniature World, wherever you get your podcast. Give it a five-star review. Recommend it to a friend. <laughs> Amazing. Well, congratulations, Bertram. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks. You guys didn't even notice that's, when you were dope. all here that uh, Annie, Annie, my wife, who normally consumes can consume more beverages than I, uh, wasn't right. partaking at all. <laughs> I did not notice that. I didn't notice that either. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I really thought she was. Yeah. Maybe you just maybe that's a testament many. to how many beverages <laughs> we consume. Or, yeah. or maybe yeah. she, maybe she just was when JP wasn't looking. It was like, <laughs> don't tell JP. <laughs> but also, don't don't tell JP because then it gets suspicious. Anyways, yeah. mm. congratulations I'm on to that. Thanks. Right. That is better than you guys finding out when you had your first kid or when Annie was pregnant with your first kid. When you were had like just arrived in New Orleans, yeah, to like party and have, be on vacation and have fun, you were meeting my sister and her husband. We had a, a full day a of fun, and and Jed then noticed, oh, we're pregnant. Yeah. You can't drink anymore. Yeah, we are in the city where it's most fun to drink anywhere in, in the world. And then we had, yeah, then man. we had like a swap tour that same morning. So we were like just like numb on this like buy you tour <laughs> like what are dude, we doing here? where you guys had just found out <laughs> yeah wow dude the swamp tour is our sick it was really cool but it wasn't yeah. nearly as fun when our brains were constantly thinking like what is our life is cool? about to change we're gonna be parents so much. What, if, what if one of these alligators comes for the kid are we ready to fight <laughs> off and <laughs> you ready any <laughs> <laughs> Well, so far you you have two beautiful children, and neither one has been eaten by an alligator yet. So I think you're doing a good job, Jay. Yet, yeah, I agree. That that I think I think that's where it's like anything above that is like C plus and higher. You're at least doing that. That's how I did in college. Exactly. C's get degrees. Maybe not even C plus. Good way to go through college. As long as as long as you don't get eaten by an alligator, you're fine. And there aren't that many of them in Oregon. So yeah. I don't think we have any non-conference games with Florida coming up, so I think we're I think we're safe. Well, congratulations. Are you guys reg- are you going to be registered anywhere? Do people register on their yeah. third babies or like I don't this- Yeah, you could you can find our registry at belligerentbeef.com/merch. Just please buy merch. <laughs> if you want if you want to help baby Bertram, just buy merch at belligerentbeef.com/merch. Yeah. <laughs> every every little uh every little pint glass or golf hat or shirt is just an, it's another it's another diaper. It's in, it's another meal, yeah. <laughs> another thing of fruit snacks. So just think of it that way. Belligerentpieces.com slash merch. Yeah, there's a new collection on there. Bert, baby Bertram uh, registry. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, we should talk about Beaver football a little bit more uh, in, in light of great news. I guess. Of, of more of more Bebe's jo- joining the world um, because – I didn't think there could be better news than what we got yesterday with the Beaver win, but <laughs> I th- I think it's drop, drop I, I think it's equal news. <laughs> Fair, yeah, it's, I agree. I mean, it's it's, it's all great. <laughs> it's all great unless you already have two kids. Right. Well, I I think I I heard Benny screaming uh, in Tacoma to Yuri, "Let's make a fucking baby tonight!" Right as Treshawn Harrison crossed the crossed the goal. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's Treshawn Harrison 
crossing the goal line, 28-27 over the nerds, over the stupid tree. Nerds! Finally, graciously, mercifully, getting a win at Stanford, 28-27. This one did not come easy, though, and we, we do have to mention we had a halftime Twitter spaces, as we always do, unless all of us are at the game and drunk. So I think that's the one time this year we didn't have a halftime spaces. But... <laughs> Um, yeah, it was a really frustrating game. Not our best day at the office. Not uh, any of the coaches' uh, best coaching. A lot of our players, our veteran players, were getting, you know, unsportsmanlike conducts. And if you get one more, you get ejected and personal fouls. Lots of just stupid-ass penalties. This was, the, if I had more hair, I'd be ripping it out. Uh, while watching the game, it was not an easy one. Thankfully, we turned it on uh, on its head and came away with the victory. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. You know, the, what my high school basketball coach always said: "A win's a win. There's no such thing as an ugly one." And he would have said it more if we had won more. So maybe that's loser mentality. <laughs> but still, Oregon State football is four and two. Season's back on track. We got two home games coming up against Wazoo and Colorado before the bye. But just early stages of this game things weren't going well benny like sort of what was your just big takeaway of we it doesn't necessarily need to be something from the first three quarters specifically but just in like what was your biggest frustration as the game is unfolding and we just Mm. didn't have have an answer for stanford until very very late yeah so like i i know a lot of the frustration with with the beaver fam was on the offensive side of the ball um, and, and just real quick there, I, I didn't notice a whole lot of, uh, really bad play calling. I know that that right. was what a lot of people were screaming at, but I, I didn't notice bad play calling. There was questionable play calling. There was, um, some missed ex- execution, but I think on defense, um, my biggest frustration was like against Boise state, Fresno state, I'm like, Montana state. Sure. But like, that was sort of a. You know, it felt like a scrimmage game, but the defense was so aggressive. Um, and, uh, you know, they're getting five takeaways in the first game. And you're like, oh, shit, this defense is going to be top tier in the Pac-12. Pac um, and, and we did not see that. And giving up 17 points in the first half, not the end of the world. Um, Stanford's offense, not very good. Nope. Uh, and, and I just thought that, uh, like, it didn't feel like a Trent defense in really the first three quarters specifically the first half though um and and we let them get into a rhythm and that just felt like when you have so many injuries on the offensive side of the ball like your defense has to step up um and i don't know like let me preface this all by saying like and i said this in the twitter spaces i think this was obviously a game that we overlooked um, which is on the coaches. Uh, but when you have a defense, especially a secondary with as many um, tenured players, as many upperclassmen as we do, and with as much experience as they do, uh, you have to step up. And, and we have been blowing the trumpet for this secondary. Um, but I think you have to call them out when, when they didn't step up and, and they didn't in the first three quarters. I think we saw a different secondary in the, in the fourth quarter. But um, those are the things that, you, that, that have to come with uh, the experience that you gain and, and that they do have. I want to add on, though, to what you said about giving Stanford some sort of rhythm to, to fall into offensively. And I think that comes back to 
an inexperienced per se defensive coordinator versus a very smart and experienced head coach who understands personnel very well, whether or not that, uh, you know, he's really gotten the most out of some of the players he's had on at his program in David Shaw versus, you know, um, you know, the other, what he's facing now with the the, the depleted talent at that program. But he still understands like, you, and you could see it happen in that first half. As soon as he realized what he could exploit on defense or what our defense was not willing to do or what our defensive coordinator was not calling, he went that way and he kept going that way. And that's why they just kept moving it and moving it. And they, it wasn't mm-hmm. really that it was being outplayed as it was more so just being outcoached. And I don't think that the, extent, for sure. and, I, and I don't think that the talent gap could close enough of that, and it was clear in that first half uh, to keep us afloat throughout the, the you know really the first three quarters. So I think there's something to be said about that for sure because one of the big gripes that I had was, uh, and I've been touting this guy, and I know you guys have too, but Alex Austin, um, I think he had his worst half of football since the USC game last year, um, and it was all mental mistakes, like. He got, um, I believe he had a unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. He had, like, yeah, he, yeah, had he for like, sure uh, did. Pass interference followed by an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Yeah. And and he got burned right. on a play too. So it's just like, yeah, the, the out coaching, I think, got um, Stanford into a rhythm, but it also got Oregon State into their heads. Like, yeah. yeah. Right. And I, sure. I think it's like to stick with defense too. It's, you know, we ended up with uh, McCartan got uh, – credited for one sack and then Cooper had that pick uh on the the last mm-hmm. play of the game which the, the, the Cooper Cooper the Cooper the Cooper Cooper RG3 was having so much fun out there uh he I <laughs> RG3 for Pac-12 North or Pac-12 after dark permanently uh but yeah, it was yes. like I think this this is a defense that can create big momentum shifting plays and they just haven't those plays just haven't popped up they played a goddamn heroic, incredible game against USC and weren't rewarded yep. for it. The Utah game was weird as shit, and they played pretty well. They played really, really well for the most part on, on the defensive side. And then there's a scoreline that obviously looks like, oh, they got burned. No one's going to vote for this anymore, whatever. And then you're playing Stanford in this this quiet-ass stadium uh, against this team that's you know not very talented but also not dumb and you'd you'd think it was like the type of game where like had the defense gotten a pick six in the first quarter like you sort of just feel like we run away with it and Mm -hmm. i feel like this team was just pressing so hard through three quarters and they could feel it slipping away uh because this even though it's one point win it's a win it would have been this would have been a really bad loss not the type of loss where i think would have come on and be like uh, is Smith the guy? Like, let's get Lindgren out of here fucking yesterday. We wouldn't have reacted that way. I know we don't you know, feel that way even if it had been like a, a blowout loss, but it's like these are the type of games that this program and coaching staff haven't been able to turn into wins. Uh, and thankfully, they got it done, and I think in the fourth quarter, it was like, all right, let's remember who we fucking are. But even while the comeback was happening too, Stanford's last drive, forcing that field goal attempt big since what gave us the win but damn uh 
lot, lot of nerve wracking moments there too. So it was great to see them level up and hopefully getting that pick on the last throw of the game is just like, it's, it feels like turnover and sacks. There's are, there are always things that come in bunches because a lot of that's just luck and timing. So uh, I'm hoping that this is what opens the floodgates, but I, I do really think this is much more of a pressing issue rather than like being a totally out coached or just like, we're really not as good as we thought we were issue. Well, and I think all of our coaches are top notch for sure uh, across all the coordinators and of course, Jonathan Smith. And, and I don't think, I honestly don't think that anything that's happened in the losses or even some of the, you know, transgressions that some of the Beaver fam have called right. out for uh, throughout the, you know, most of the minutes of the Stanford game, um, are really warranted to reflect what kind of quality coaches that these guys are. And what I think is yeah. actually happening is there, I've seen this narrative get written out across Twitter. I was, I was reading it myself in my own head or watching the games, watching these, these series unfold. And um, it to me seems a lot like USC beat us down mentally. That was just draining. It was draining. And like, it was it was obviously a lot to ask of Chance to try to win that game, and and the the box score reflects that, like what what came out of asking him to try to carry that load. But um, Utah compounded everything, everything, and it made it it made everyone second guess themselves, from the coaches to the players to everyone, whether or not they'll admit it. They they had to have been questioning what are we doing, and 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 I think that that happened for the first three quarters of this game as well. They were still trying to figure out not what are we doing, but what are we supposed to do now? What do we do now? And like it just it just felt so strange too. I know you Terry, you said like the Utah game was just weird. And it was weird. But so was the beginning of this game. Oh yeah. This game yeah. still felt very weird. I mean, we we really still didn't get much big game kind of running plays as as we were hoping we would see against a lackluster defense like Stanford. And like we knew, we knew that Goldbranson probably would have an okay game, maybe less, you know, unlikely better, but it'd be awesome to see. And he kind of fell right in the middle there. Like he had a okay, good game. Like I wouldn't say it was phenomenal, but like he he threw a good yeah. ball. And like we, we were we were anticipating though, if, if he was going to have to come in and take the helm, like we should see some running plays really kind of make the difference. And there was one running play that made the difference, but it was his third carry of the game and it still <laughs> it still makes me wonder is everyone out there figuring out what's supposed to be the way we're supposed to play like because there's still no identity anywhere on this team defensively or offensively mm -hmm. coaches players there's nothing and that's why i'm still a little bit concerned and i hear the beaver fam out there who says like yeah we won good but like what does that mean and and i'm all about the hey just get the w move on forget it move on and I think most athletes can do that, right. but I do. Oh, worry. they should not forget about this game at all. Well, they yeah, should, of course, they I, should learn also, from this game. Let's yeah, be very and, clear. But, I, but I, I don't, I don't know if that's on the players as much sure. as it could be on the coaches to figure out how to best utilize the players. And so, I think there was just this like weird snowballing effect of the players started to doubt, the coaches started to doubt, everyone started kind of underperforming. It came to a head, obviously, this game. Uh, and and we didn't let ourselves suffer too much for it, but very curious to see what happens next week against Washington State because I think that's going to be very 
very telling of the direction of the yep. program or or the ceiling of the program this season uh, compared to even a, a one-point win at Stanford or even a, a shitty loss at Stanford. I, I think that – so, like, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think that USC played with us psychologically. And for those of you that were in Corvallis, like, I know it sounds – crazy if you're not a, a beaver fan but like i think the team believed that they could go undefeated oh, this absolutely season. like i really do think the team thought that and so um when you're in corvallis for the usc game like i think the crowd thought that too and that loss and the way that we lost that like utah was uh, utah on the road was the worst possible game to follow that game up with exactly. uh, especially especially with how chance played against usc um, I mean, the, talk about like a dog seeing a, a wounded animal, man. Like that is how Utah went after us. And when, once Chance threw those two picks against Utah, like the game was seemingly over because you're not coming back on Utah in Salt Lake City with a quarterback that doesn't trust himself. So, um, but, and then like, so you go from thinking we could go undefeated. This could be a really special season to now being three and two at the bottom of the pack with an O and two conference record. Like it's a psychological game and add that. And I get every team deals with injuries, but like Musgrave is, he was the key to our offense. Like he's the check down. He is the safety net. Um, and so to lose him and then also to lose Everett Hayes, like that, that's proving almost to be just and also big. our long snapper in this last game too. Like <laughs> Dylan Black. Yeah. He has a name yeah. too, Dylan Black. Shout out Dylan Black. Hope, hope you're feeling Dylan better, Black. buddy. Hope your finger's better. But um, I think that like the team finally woke up in the fourth quarter and I'm like, this is why I'm so excited for what we're going to see. I thought that Goal Branson had one of the better quarterbacking uh, outings that we've seen from a Beaver in a really sure. long time. Um, and 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 you look at the the pass to Velling at the, I think it yeah. was near the um, it, was it on that first first touchdown drive? I think it was. Yeah. Um, but that pass to Velling, incredible. The pass to uh, Silas incredible like these passes are ones that they had to be in literally on the dime and they were um and so that opens up the playbook for Oregon State and all of the people that are bashing Lindgren are, are talking about the red zone offense like and rightfully so our red zone offense was stagnant but what what I'm seeing is that teams are seeing that we have a quarterback that doesn't trust himself and they're stacking the box because they know that that runs coming that's our that that has been our identity for years is the run game end up and to just punch him in the mouth and that wasn't that's not working when you stack the box with eight players you can't do that and so right. people that are getting mad at Lindgren for not continuing to do what we've done on the in the other 80 yards of the field you can't do that when teams are stacking the box they're daring the quarterback to throw and that's why we are now we have a quarterback that can put the ball in the right places and we have receivers that can fucking burn people off the field with their speed. Um, so it's stacked up to be a team that can really excel in the red zone right now. And if we excel in the red zone, fucking game over in most of the games that we have coming up, like these teams can't stay on the field with us. If we can, if we can learn how to get the ball into the end zone when we're in the red zone, like good luck to the other team, but they're going to need it. Um, so I'm really excited uh, of what we have to come. JP, I 100% agree with you that Washington State is 
I mean, every game has felt like a test, but Washington State's going to really show us who this Beaver team is. Like, did Goldbranson just have a hell of a game, or have we found a diamond in the rough? Because that that's that's what it felt like. And I get it, Stanford. Stanford's not a good team, but he was throwing balls on the dime, and those are completions no matter who you're playing. Right. We need to talk about Goldbranson more and, and the Lindgren thing and the whole offense. I think one more thing on the defense, and I guess this is a whole team uh, point as well, but – Talk about just psychological warfare against USC. Absolutely heartbreaking loss at home, followed by going to Salt Lake City. Winning those two games almost feels impossible. Two worst games back-to-back. And I, this is going to seem like an excuse, and it kind of is, and I'm going to kind of <laughs> flip-flop both sides here. But going to then play a team like Stanford at Stanford in a stadium completely bereft of energy and soul coming off of USC and Utah is an adjustment. Now that is an adjustment that Smith teams and this team has struggled to make over the last few years. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's coming. You knew and when the schedule came out, when you're in fall camp, looking at the schedule and like the entire coaching staff knew this two game stretch against USC and Utah is going to be an insane challenge. And we cannot overlook Stanford because we overlook Stanford. We're going to lose in Palo Alto, and that can be a season killer. Yep. So I do judge the coaching staff and the whole team for that, for coming out as flat as they did and allowing a team like Stanford. I, I think we should always try and give credit where credit is due on this podcast. That is not a good football team. That right. would have been one of the worst losses that we have seen here. Uh, so, and that, but it is th- that game, winning, winning that game in, yeah, out Colorado was last year was a similar one too. And yeah. I, th- I think Colorado is really bad this year. They were a little bit better last year, uh, but still, so like, that's a game, like we've seen Smith lose this game in the past. Yeah. So seeing it turn into a win is great. Something he has done extremely well is protect Reeser, protect the home field played really well there games like last year, like the winning against Utah at research last year, when Stanford came in, it was like, we, we kind of got on this podcast. We're like, all right, we can't overlook Stanford. We can't overlook Stanford. And then they, they just blew the doors off of Stanford, did what they're supposed to do. Then another really convincing, not a blowout, but a convincing win against Arizona state at home. Mm-hmm. Smith has figured out how to protect research. I'm less worried about that. I think this coming Saturday, he'll show that again. Uh, but it is, it is a massive game. We do need to talk a little bit more about the offense. Two big things about this game. Obviously, it was Ben Branson's first start uh, for Oregon State. Chance Nolan did not make the trip to Palo Alto, stemming from the neck injury he suffered against Utah, which happened after people were calling for his benching anyway. So the narrative around this continues to be murky and unclear. Uh, And also a lot of Beaver fans calling for Lindgren's head, uh, which... I don't agree with uh, our guy, Andy Snacks, was, you know, kind of getting playfully calling out people like, oh, Lindgren got 99 yards on that on that drive. A better OC would have gotten 100. Yeah, we should fire this dude. Um, <laughs> but, Betty, you, you've called it out like they're daring us to throw the ball. And also he's has a quarterback who he's trying to protect. Um, so I'm not totally on the let's get rid of Lindgren train. It's nothing close to... Well, you know, you're not alone. ...with the defense. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not either. But also, like, like let's... Like, Jay, let's talk... Like, think about, like, the way we sort of approach the game from an offensive 
standpoint last night. Like it, it was kind of, it was frustrating. And we are now in a spot where I alluded to this earlier, where I know and Coletto had three carries last night and one scored a touchdown, but our, our two point conversion attempts were a disaster. Uh, well, the third one, we didn't try. The first two were really poorly <laughs> executed. What do you mean we didn't uh, almost, try? We tried almost, to take a knee. We did it right. And we almost two away. <laughs> oh, so we, we did execute one of the three. It was to concede the, the, the two points. Um, uh, it, but it almost looked like it, has this offense even ran two point attempts in practice? And that's that's with, what I, with yeah. Gold Branson under center center. Maybe they haven't. So I. But it's like we were we didn't foresee a situation where we wouldn't trust this team in third and short. Yet here we are. So as three people here who do believe in Lindgren, I don't understand. It's weird. It's it's kind of like Riley shit where people are calling for his head, and he's also like. Would Brian Lindgren take the Colorado job? Like we discuss at night. Like I'm like, I don't want to fire him, but who's hiring him as head coach? <laughs> but <laughs> like, yeah, I get Jay. Just from a total Lindgren play calling perspective, like, what were you seeing last night? Like, where where is your the bulk of your frustration with it line? And frustration might not even be the right word, but we should be a more prolific offense than we have been, and we certainly should have been. On maybe, Saturday. maybe, maybe. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna maybe you here. You, it, we, we, it's not maybe that we should have had more than ten points going into the fourth quarter no, at fucking Stanford. No, that's not you're a right. Maybe. <laughs> but, but prolific, I, I don't know, and I, and I think that there are still a lot of roles that need to be grabbed. We've talked about this over and over again. We, we're lacking identity in a lot of different areas. We have key injuries in some big areas, and I don't know. I brought this up on the halftime Twitter Spaces. I don't know what is up with Lindgren. Because the man is definitely a great offensive coordinator. Uh, I know there's there's a lot of people knocking him for not developing a quarterback, for some of the play calling, whatever that might be. I think a lot of that is very short-sighted, to be honest. So we we did put out a poll. I just want to make sure we, we cover this because we put out a poll and we just wanted to see. To get a pulse on the Beaver fam, what what do people want with Lindgren, right? What, right now, what should Oregon State do with Brian Lindgren? And I think there's a vocal, 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 vocal minority, very small, which is always the truth. The minorities of arguments tend to have to be the loudest to get their point across. Thus, it seems that way on social media where it's logged and the algorithm throws it in your face. However, let's make it clear that 70% after now almost 230 votes over five hours, five and a half hours, uh, are are saying that Oregon State needs to retain Brian Lindgren versus relieve him as another choice. I just want to point that out there because I feel like there's a snowball effect of where people start to get riled up. And join in without with blindly join in without actually thinking about what the what the circumstances are and what could happen if we've relieved Brian Lindgren of his duties as an offensive coordinator right. because which, which we're also just not gonna do exactly so yeah. it feels like something Tib- Tibbs was on the hot seat last year this team is not firing Brian Lindgren no I totally agree and, and because of that I want to point out though there were. There were a lot of plays that I think he made. The I think all game he called a great game. The two-point conversions were weird. There is some sort of analytics thing 
I tried to dive into this Twitter thread I found about like the announcers on ESPN being like, well, analytics in my day, like we didn't, we didn't use analytics. We, but there is some sort of analytic that says like, yeah, go for two. You're down 14. I have no problem with the logic of going for two, especially if Dylan Black was hurt and you're already down to your second string kicker. It was that's the, the plays- missing component. Right, the plays that were run were like they you, you, they were blown up in a second, yeah. and it, and it, yeah. and I think you nailed it, Terry. I don't know how much. Look, they had one week to prepare Bengal Branson to be the number one exactly. quarterback. Which, yeah. Like, like what are you gonna do? You're gonna be like, hey, let's make sure we run all these two point conversions so you're ready when we need to do that three times in one game. <laughs> no, like they were getting him ready for every other fucking potential play of the game, and I don't blame them again now for. Right, also having right. to deal with a backup quarterback who is starting for the first time in his career and a long snapper who has a cut on his hand that doesn't let him snap the ball to a backup kicker. Okay, so let's calm ourselves with <laughs> our pets. Heads are falling off! <laughs> let's calm ourselves on the whole notion that we like galaxy-brained ourselves into this like terrible hole that we were never going to climb out of until we did. And uh, we still obviously didn't have a smart enough offensive coordinator to captain those drives um, to, to bring us back into the game. And, well, one, to give us life again, then to bring us back in the game, and then to win the game. Uh, and so credit where credit's due. Those are some yeah. hella, hella good play calls. And that's, that's my Bay Area coming out. Those were hella good play calls. Hella. <laughs> and I still, I mean... Dude, it's hard to. It's really all three of those touchdowns that that made this a game between Bolden and Martinez and Harrison. Were I don't know where to put where to put most of the uh, the uh, applause to be honest, because all those guys and also you know Ben on the uh, on the throw made great plays. Exactly. So was that my knock on my knock on lingering is get your personnel in a position. To be successful, what happened? What did he call the play? They were successful. I just, I mean, I want to point that out. He called the play. They were successful. We won. And in honor of your Bay Area ness, those were some hella good points. So please play (laughs) five seconds of Umbrella by Rihanna. You are hella, hella, hella on the spot, JP, as always. <laughs> uh, don't fire Lindgren. I want to be the guy at the game with that sign. Like You should. <laughs> Everything is going okay. Can, can I just make one last point here? It's that uh, – so I, I think that, like, it's pretty clear – that our receivers have dropping problems. And granted, like Silas and Treshawn came up huge last night. But before that, it was like uh, a a replay of, was it the Fresno game where they were dropping balls left and right? I think every one of them has had a drop. Every, but, like they've all been great, but like yeah, someone like you'll see the Twitter is just like why does he keep throwing to Harrison? Throw it to Gould, and that's like after like Gould had a drop. Grant would have been a hard catch, but it was like a perfect dime by Ben last night. It, it, yeah, it also looked like it was pi on that be, too. Yeah. But 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 like so there was that which was a good play call. 
there was uh, Harrison had, I think it was two drops before he had the, the big catch. Um, and Harrison did have a good game. I think he had seven catches for 104 yards. So he, he did have a good game. Um, but Lindsay had a, a, a drop where he wasn't even looking for the ball going over the middle. Um, and Gold Branson only had nine incompletions. Um, so what that's telling me is that like we're getting people open and we're getting them the ball. The, they're just not executing on that. And that's not on Lindgren. Like that's not. And can I, can I ask you guys a quick question on that? Oh, Gold Branson. I don't, I want to interject because I think this is so funny because I think the people who look at box scores don't realize that Gold Branson had a good game because if you compare him to McKee's box score, so hear this out. Gold Branson, 20 of 29. McKee, 20 of 33. Okay. Four more incompletions. Gold Branson, 250 yards. McKee, 269 yards. Nice. 19 more. Nice. So the average is, of course, Gold Branson has the advantage, 8.6 to 8.2. They both threw two touchdowns. McKee threw one interception. Right. Go Branson, no turnovers. Go Branson's QBR. QBR. What does that stand for, Terry? Quarterback rating. Yes. Was uh, 54.1. I saw that. McKee, 70.9. How? How yeah. does that make any sense? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That he has to one be more a typo. Pick. Beaver bias. <laughs> over ni- and 19 more yards uh, across four more incompletions. Yeah, he's losing <laughs> He's losing every every category. Including. So, that, so my point is, is that there are there are even Bieber fans who go look at the box scores in the morning and they go, "Well, Gold Branson's not the guy. He didn't even play better than Tanner McKee." Well, <laughs> he he did play, but he and he is better than Tanner McKee. So yeah, you, I, so, that's my point. If you I just wanted to point that out. As, the only thing on uh, the rating, and I don't know the mathematics or the al- algorithm that goes into that, uh, Gold Branson was had negative 23 yards rushing and mckee was plus five if, so, if that goes into your that, quarterback rating because you're getting sacked <laughs> right yeah. well i don't hey don't blame the messenger i'm just i just come up with a better quarterback rating system Jerry. i scrolled down <laughs> i don't i do words not numbers i have no idea what goes into this shit um but yeah, no, I think, um, th- and this goes into what I think our, our next talking point should be as well is Gold Branson did play a good game. Yeah, uh, he played a good game in, in, a, in a situation too where it's you, you can't totally trust. I, and I, I've liked what I've seen from Atticus Sappington overall, but you can't totally trust the kicking game when your, your first string kicker is out. You definitely can't trust sort of any special teams when your long snapper is bleeding from the hand he snaps with, and you're security blanket jack of all trades safety net tight end is out uh it's hard but so gold branson all things considered played a good game and i i won't call it a a tough setting because by comparison i don't necessarily think that's what it is but in certainly a weird setting in in a a weird way to get your first start yeah uh especially when the guy in front of you uh, and i i don't know the dynamic of the quarterback room a lot everything that i've seen and read leads me to believe that it's a good group of guys who support each other a lot it's got to be weird as a guy taking over when it's a situation like a lot of people were calling for the starting quarterback to get benched suddenly. And before that quarterback got benched, he also got hurt. So it's like, am I in here because the coaches trust me more? Am I in here because chance isn't healthy? 
And, you know, it's just it's just an odd dynamic. It's an odd way to go to work for a 19-year-old kid. Uh, also, but, the, the third string quarterback was the starter before the yeah, starter the, was the starter. So I, yeah. Oh, I didn't know I was a starter because I thought maybe <laughs> the dude who's the, who has the fucking C stitched on his chest, yeah. I'm going in and from him. Yeah, so it's interesting. Let's just say hypothetically because we don't have these answers, so whatever. Let's say test, come back, whatever. Chance is as 100% healthy as anyone can be six games into a football season. Nothing pops up during the week with Branson, so they're both equal footing physically. Who do you start against the Cougs? Chance. Uh, Chance. You said, I think, Benny, Benny, you can answer. I think I know who you're about to say. Yeah, I, I would disagree. I think you have to go with Branson. Um, okay, let's turn this in real quick. Save your point. Okay. This is this is now the, the belligerent beefs court. You are both very high-powered attorneys from <laughs> – graduates from the the law school that Oregon State doesn't have uh that you know of JP yeah, John, John Patrick Bertram Esquire yeah you have you have a healthy Chance Nolan and a healthy Ben Gilbranson to choose from to start quarterback against the Washington State University Cougars who are coming to Corvallis on October 15th uh 6 p.m local time on Pac-12 Network and you are starting Chance Nolan convince yeah. me why well, I don't know if if Bengal Branson could have beat Chance Nolan out in camp, and he would have done that. And so, I mean, for one, I'm not saying that you can't you can't grow and adapt in a short period of time. You can't develop through playing time and and become a better player than the person that you had you know lost to previously. But I don't know if that's the case yet because we still have unanswered questions about how healthy was Chance. How much was just chance in his head that by sitting out will give him a little bit of a reset or the pressure is a bit off now that we got a W and we can kind of come home and play play our game again. So I need to go back to chance. I think the leash is short because we know we have a viable option, which we didn't really know. Like we didn't know that. Like we couldn't have gone to him. It was it was hard to go to him, I think, at Utah until he was hurt. And I think that's the only reason we went to him. I don't think the coaches were ready to go to Goldbranson because they didn't, one, prepare him at all to be playing with the number ones. And two, they they knew that like he's like, head, head and shoulders chances is their guy. Um, if they didn't, I think Goldbranson would have had been more prepared. He would have had a little bit more run in practice. And I'm not saying that Ben isn't a great quarterback, and I think that he could be the guy. But you have to go back to who what not just – who is prepared with the rest of the team, but who the rest of the team has prepared with. The team has been playing with chance. They've been, they, they practice with chance and you have to understand too, that it's not just like, Oh, we don't care who throws the ball. They people build rapport with, with their quarterback. And when, no matter if it's an offensive line, if it's a running back, if it's a wide receiver, they build rapport with the guy and They've had weeks and weeks and weeks to do that. And so I don't want to disrupt that if it means that everyone else can play to their highest potential. And that's why if you bring back Chance, if he's healthy, he's got to start. He's got to have a short leash because he knows that Bengal Branson did perform well when he had a full week behind him to, to prepare. And, I mean, all circumstances say, like, this should be a game that we can ignore all past influences and just look at look at what we got at home in a in a tough matchup that we should win. All right, thank you. That was the argument in favor of Chance Nolan starting the week seven against Washington State, made by J.P. Bertram of uh, the Chopham and Sons 
law firm uh, <laughs> and daughter. Benjamin Lawrence, Sebastian Wehage, representing uh, Bernice and Bebes and Associates. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I disagree with anything that JP said, to be honest. Like, I, I do think this is that... the worst lawyer show in the history of the world. Are you kidding me? I just won. <laughs> I just I won. Know, I the just... best lawyer show. Just make the I... argument. <laughs> He, he has he has thoroughly changed my mind. I reversed my no. I, uh, I I I do think that there's something to be said about chemistry that Chance has built with the with the first team, and I don't think that that should be overlooked. Um, but I almost think so. My my reasons are are really twofold. Number one, I I think you open up a quarterback controversy if you put Chance back in, and I think that's what you really want to stay away from. And I know that logic would say there's a quarterback controversy would happen if you don't put the original starter back in, but Gold Branson has done well minus the two picks, but I mean, you're playing against arguably the best cornerback in the country. Right. Um, but he played well yesterday. Uh, and, um, but more specifically like his accuracy on short and medium balls is far superior to chance Nolan's. And when you have receivers that are, small shifty and fast you need somebody that's going to be able to slick the ball in there right where they need it right um and his deep ball's really good too uh the the area uh where i think he struggles is mobility um but with a strong offensive line they didn't necessarily show that last night um that that's something that i think uh can get overlooked or it's not as much of a detriment uh and the final thing that i'll say is like without musgrave chance like i mean that that's where we saw him really have the wheels fall fall off was when musgrave uh was was hurt um i mean yeah he did well against montana state but i i think we can all admit that that wasn't really a, a huge test um he played like dog shit against usc and and yes usc's a great team but usc's defense is not a great defense um and and utah their defense is really good but he, he threw the first throw of the game was an interception like oh, se he, second second throw okay second throw of the game but um i i just think that this, i still really believe that this is a special year for oregon state like going to the national championships? No, but this is a huge, huge foundational year to build something that I believe is going to be really special. And I don't think that you can afford to throw games down the drain if you're unsure. And I think Gold Branson, more than anything, gives you something that like you can really bet on. Like you can you can hedge your bet on. Is he going to be absolutely great and a Heisman Trophy candidate? Probably not, but he's really, really good. Chance is either going to give you like great in some instances or dog shit. And those are chances that I don't want to take right now. Okay, you guys both made great arguments for this, and I can I approach the bench? I'm not sure you may approach the bench. <laughs> I'd like JP. to counter argue just one point. Okay, about the QB controversy, because I am in a bit of agreement with you. However, uh, Bebe's and what, Bernice and Associates, Ber Bernice and Bebe's yeah. and Associates. <laughs> uh, you're not op maybe you're not opening up a QB controversy this year, but what happens next year when Aiden Child shows up and now we've got uh, the fourth year sophomore starting at quarterback, and we've got a four star quarterback mm. who should be taking the reins shortly. I, mean, I think 
I think that uh, timelines are very important, especially at the quarterback position, where you look at who are you recruiting and what are you promising. And you have to remember that when you're thinking about who do you give playing time to then. And I, I know that there's there's there have been times that Oregon State has leaned on a guy who they're clearly not going to stick with just to get him through a season. Um, but that's also been times where we've had tumultuous uh, coaching regimes. And I, I think that it's – I think you have to look at consistency, longevity that Smith & Co. bring. And when it comes to QB controversies, you – you can't start them. You need to let them start themselves. And I think that uh, injuries don't start QB controversies. So that's why I don't think you can make that call, especially with the timeline of what's coming next. The Aiden Childs uh, comment is a good one. I think you have to keep it in mind. I, although I stick to my point, like you put the person in that you think is going to give you the best chance this season and not think about next season. Um, right. But but like, I don't know much about Aiden Childs other than the highlight tapes that I've seen he and the shit that I've heard. Him. But I am capital H him placing yeah, capital. I'm H going him. all in. Yes, with yeah. with with Aiden Childs. Right. Yeah. Well, in a normal court of law, no, the judge is unable to make an argument. But this isn't a normal court of law. This is Bebe's court. Oh, I like and the I just court I better. just want to say. <laughs> Four for four, 115 yards, one touchdown. That is 100% completion percentage, 424.0 passer rating, an average of 28.8 yards per attempt, a stat line held by one Tyjon Lindsay. I think it's easier than we're making it. <laughs> You're both wrong. I, uh, no, I, good argument. Great, great conversation. Obviously, we won't know uh, the right decision, uh, possibly ever. Uh, really, maybe and not. I don't. Even, who knows? We'll I mean, see. who knows how bad Chance's neck is? Right, for sure. So, what what do you think? Like, go go Branson. I don't know if he. So, okay, let me take a step back. Stanford on the road. St Stanford's a team that we should beat, hands yes. down. And and the spread where it ended uh, at the end of the week. Um, which I think was after it was announced that Chance wasn't traveling, was 4.5. Yeah. We are a team that should be favored by much more than 4.5 against Stanford, but it's on the road. And we've had so much trouble on the road in the last year and a half. Well, really the really the last right. 10 the years. La the last lifetime or but, two. And, and but, at Stanford especially. Right. And I subscribe to the narrative that – a lot of that has to do with chance because he's such an emotional player well, and he can get inside of his head so much. He go, we've talked about this before. He goes through streaks, right? Well, so, I, just want, I don't think chance has played at Stanford. I get, I get what you, where you're going with this, but yeah, the, yeah. no chance hasn't played at Stanford. I'm right. just saying road games in general. Okay. Right. Um, and, and I think that, and I'm not putting it all on chance, but like he has not had very good games on the road and he's had pretty much well, all of the Coliseum last year. That was Honestly. the exception, right? That and that that, that is, is the exception. That is, that is the exception. That is the exception. Like all that, of that his is the ultimate exception. No, no quarterback in the history of the last fifty years that Oregon State has been able to do. For sure. Right. No, he had a great game but, at, at USC. But like that USC team was not good either. 
Like True. they were. Well, we've played some not good USC teams down there too. We For sure, good either. But I'm just... <laughs> no, 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 I get it, and also that's a huge. <laughs> that that is a huge. huge Many of these matchups in years past featured two not good football teams, right? Which is right. why this podcast is very good. But but my point, my, my <laughs> we are the most good at analyzing the not good. My question is: Do you guys trust Chance on the road and trust? Whatever is going on in his head, and is is that a chance that you would take? No pun intended. Oh, uh, yes, yes, I would. I would take it. I would take it again until proven wrong, because I know he I would. Was played. I know he played poorly, but like he played. He played well at Fresno. He did. He play, played well he, at Fresno. But yeah, it it is so rare. It is so rare for a college head coach to not lean all the way in on their selection of a quarterback out of camp. And move in a different direction without right, but that's without the, giving up the whole season. That's my point. Is if if we move on from chance from if the coaching staff, I guess, moves on from chance at any point forward, it is because they have moved on from the season, and that is the only explanation. That is the only way they do it. If he's healthy, he's playing. What do you mean they moved on from the season? Like it's a it's a wash. They're, they're moving yeah, on. That they're they're, that they're, they're looking for ahead. next year. Yeah. I disagree. I think that Gold Branson showed that he can definitely be a Pac-12 quarterback. Oh, I agree. I'm not saying that. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I say that it reflects on the the level of play that Ben Gold Branson can bring. But what I, right. what I'm saying is is collegiate head coaches rarely select a starting quarterback out of camp. Yeah, and, and then move on from them <laughs> unless they are throwing in the towel of the season and they are moving on. I, I agree with you. I, and I think that that's a, that is important on multiple levels to show that you have faith in a player. But another thing that is very rare is for your quarterback to throw six interceptions. In of five course. Quarters. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I'm right. not, I'm so not like, arguing that he like, I'm not arguing that he is the better quarterback. I am saying right. that we have to roll with him though, for the reasons I argued, but also, yeah, I just, I don't think that John the Smith's one of those coaches that plays games. That like, yeah, you're right. He he's a straight shooter, and if he named Chance the starter, that's his starter until he can't go. He also said after the Utah game that Chance is our guy. Yes, right. right? So yeah, that, that that's a solid point. But, I mean, Gobranson played an incredible game, and I think he can be really really good. And I think unfortunately for him, the timelines might not allow him to become like an Oregon State great. It's yeah, what I was saying about bringing in Childs and. And the fact that uh, he's a he's a third year freshman, you know, so it's like right. the weird the <laughs> so weird crazy. COVID year stuff also makes it confusing. Yeah, John Dunmore also has a one hundred percent completion percentage. <laughs> Colorado is hundred percent on the season. Yeah, the refs stole a touchdown from John Dunmore. Uh, somebody say. Done mo JP, please play five seconds of killer well. The most requested song on the belligerent beefs podcast. Uh, right. So god damn it. We've got our friends, the Cougs. The Coog, the big Coog, Washington State University, our our partners in <laughs> realignment revolution (laughs) the revolution will not be televised but it will start with a pullman corvallis alliance (laughs) podcast 
Yeah, let's <laughs> let's, uh, let's. I'm gonna reach out. Let, let's find some Coog podcasters this week. That that right. that would be fun. Lo- lo- uh, would love be fun. love the fan base. Every I think the first some of the best education I got at Oregon State, which shocker had nothing to do with being in class, um, <laughs> was my freshman year. We played the Cougs. We lost thirteen to six, and it was before we turned the tide of that two thousand six season. And I just remember seeing a bunch of like Coug fans, also like college kids who came to Corvallis for the game, and some of like the older guys who I had met that first those first few weeks on campus were like talking shit, whatever. And every Coug fan was just like, "You got, we didn't come to win a football game, like we came to win a party." <laughs> and, and then they like walked to the Et and bought me beer. It was the easiest beer I ever got. Uh, bought for me my entire freshman year. So always, <laughs> the Cougs have a warm place in in my heart, a very, very warm, very inebriated place carved out uh, in my heart. But having said that, I want to beat their ass this weekend, guys. <laughs> and I hope we do. So just uh, outlook, we obviously are going to have to read all of the, the great coverage that um, the full-time beat writers will put together this week uh, on practice and see who's healthy and what, what Smith says to the media. But just, you know, we're, we're, we're not even 20. It's, it's late. It's almost midnight here, central time. And we're not even close to 24 hours since Trayshawn Harrison <laughs> scoring the game when he touched out last night, but uh, just outlook for, for this game. And uh, what are, what are y'all predicting? So I, I think that uh, this is, I think Oregon State's the better team. Um, I haven't seen a lot of Washington State, uh, Washington State's game, but uh, I, I know their their quarterback is um, is good and mobile, which scares the and, fuck out of me. And big. And I've, big. I've watched Cam Ward. Like, I watched yeah. the Wazoo USC game, and I've just watched him more. Like that dude's a house. Yeah, yeah, and he he can move really well. Which, if anything, if you know anything about Oregon State's defense, they struggle with that. Um, Bad mobile quarterbacks, right? (laughs) Right. I I think Washington State is in a very similar position to where uh, we were going into Stanford. So Washington State lost in heartbreaking fashion at home to Oregon. Um, they were up by 12, I think, with under three minutes to go. They, and they Oregon, should have won. Yeah. They should have won. And they got – there was like a, a weird call where the ref called it fourth down when it should have been third down. Anyways, heartbreaking loss to Oregon. They did have Callum between, but then they went down to the Coliseum and got spanked pretty bad. Um, they they hung around. It was, you know, it was respectful. All right, yeah, the and I didn't watch a game, so. Um, <laughs> so well, the Mariners were playing. Exactly. Um, yeah, you, but uh, yeah, but the final score was indicative of a game that probably sure. yeah well, it didn't seem that close. Um, but they went into Wisconsin. It was Camp Wisconsin. Randall. Right? Yeah, yep. it was went into Wisconsin and beat Wisconsin, and so they had those same sort of aspirations. Like, oh fuck, this could be you a really special season. They got a longtime coach fired, Paul Chris, out at That's Wisconsin. Right. And so um, I think that they're licking their wounds right now um, and, and Oregon State can capitalize. They're a little dazed. And uh, we sort of talked about it. Oregon State's a completely different team at Reeser than they are on the road. So I think yeah. uh, what we saw in the fourth quarter, and JP alluded to this, you sort of saw the team wake up finally and, and become the team that we know that they are. I think you see that roll into the game against Washington State um, against the Washington State team that like it, they they very well could come out 
uh, steaming mad, but I think they come out a little dazed and you take advantage of that and you jump on them early. I, I think it's going to be uh, a 31 to 17 type scoreline. Wow. Two scores. Yeah, yeah I think so. I, okay. So I, I, again, I love to revisit my predictions from the season uh, preseason because I was totally off on pretty much everything storyline wise, but it's fun to see what the outcome would have been. And I had us again going into this game four and two. Just remember that. Uh, but I said the Cougs come to Corvallis confident that they'll put out their ninth win in their last ten matchups against the Beavs. So they they they've got our number. But we've, uh, got, we've got to get this win. It's a. I mean, we Vegas supposedly early lines say what four points, three points, whatever it is. So yeah, it's a toss up. It's a toss up. Uh, but I said that Cam Ward comes in ready to throw his arm off. Maybe, I don't know, he's hobbled or whatever. But I said it'll be a focus for them on the air raid passing game. And our defense will just sit back. Jaden Grant will have a field day. We'll finally pad the defensive box scores with two interceptions from Jaden Grant. One back to the house for a touchdown. And then Ooh. Alex Austin would add another pick. I would love that. For good measure. When it's a 24-16 win, Beavs. I think that could be very close to what happens. Ward, and <laughs> I, I really Ward's, do. Ward's been good, but like he, he, he will test the D, and he will, he will throw it. He'll be aggressive, so there'll be chances for picks. Uh, he, he has what seven picks? I think it's eight. Picks, yeah. His ratio is eight to seven. It'd be the most yeah. cooed thing ever if he just gave up on, or if they gave up on uh, any sort of like. QB scrambling or running plays to throw a deep ball against our defensive backs. So I can just see it all unfolding. And I'm, I love Wazoo. I love the fans, but uh, they're going to be mad that they didn't scramble more. After this is going to be a multi-layered prediction. I like what you said, JP. I actually like what you both said, and I'm predicting a Beaver win. Like Benny said, what we've all said on this completely different team at home. I think we'll defend Reeser. I think this will be not convincing from like a score standpoint, but just I think we'll play a complete game, limit the mistakes. Uh, I think we'll ha finally have fewer than six penalties in a game for the first time, which will make me happy. As you guys know, it's my number one thing to complain about. Uh, <laughs> I think we win 31-21. I think the Cougs go back to the Palouse. And I think they beat Utah in Pullman the following week. Oh, that's yeah, that's an interesting. That's just prediction. another I, layer, just a way. And then like people will be like, "Oh, told you the Pac-12 sucks." Utah lost to Wazoo. Who lost to Oregon State? Who lost to Utah? And like, yeah, whatever. It's a good top to bottom conference where a lot of weird shit happens, and you can't overlook any team. We don't have any fucking Vanderbilts here, except for Colorado, who is way significantly worse than Vanderbilt. But that's <laughs> not the goddamn point. Um, I, I think we beat the Cougs, but the, I, then I think the Cougs come come storming back and get a big win against Utah in, in a way that we couldn't. So, so if we if we beat the Cougs, which I, like we've all predicted a win, I I think um, I'm not speaking out of turn when I say that that is a big if. Um, but if we beat the Cougs. I'm more confident against us at home against Colorado than I was against Montana State. Um, yeah, Montana like that, State probably beats Colorado. But that, that, is, that, is, that, is, that is the yeah most confident I am in, in, in any game on Bobcats. schedule. 
I'm wondering when the last time, because if we if we're six and two, that's bowl eligible. And it seems like it's been ages, 84 years since we were bowl eligible in October, which would that be that early. Yeah, I yeah. agree. 2013. God damn it, Terry. Why did you have to well, say dude, that? No, dude, that was still <laughs> nine years ago. That's true. I know. I I thought that 2000, I, I thought that we eat that bowl. I, I Bull thought you were Valley. asking a question that I had. In 2013, we started six and one, lost five in a row, beat Boise State in the Hawaii Bowl. Oh, man. That's rough. Um, yeah. I, in in 2012, we started six and oh, and we're bowl eligible. That one ended a little bit better, I guess. Well, it feels like it's been a very long time. You expect me to have Rashad Reynolds on the show and not do an insane amount of research on, on the year? <laughs> he was Hawaii Bowl MVP? Like, yeah, don't test my 2013 Beavs knowledge. But yeah, it's that's still almost a decade ago, basically a decade ago. 10 in football years, yeah, like 10 seasons when you go 13, yeah. 14, whatever. So being 6-2 and two on uh, October 22nd with then a bye week to rest up and get healthy feels like a giant win, and it's something that we would all have taken had we been offered it before the season started. 100%. We all would have taken four and two. Yeah. Every single one of us, I understand. Wait, four and two or six and two? Both. Uh, I guess two. with our first with our first six games, we, yeah. You're right, you're right, you're right. Well, yeah. With our first two games, I know Boise State and Fresno State have had weird years too, but it's yeah. like we looked at that those first five games and we're like, oh, shit. Right, <laughs> right. Right. And no, you're right. I think, you know, there's obviously rooms for improvement, but we're, we're fucking four and two. Oregon State is four and two. Dante Williams scored a goal against Cal this week and hit the gritty. <laughs> we got to move on from football at this point. We don't have a lot of time. So this is going to be a very, very truncated shout out to, to men's soccer. I'm sorry. But uh, draw against Cal, draw 2 2 draw against number five Stanford at home. Uh, wins are still tough to come by, but these are really quality results for Oregon State men's soccer. So we'll, we'll have more MSOC, men's soccer coverage courtesy of Andy Snacks uh, on the dive. Uh, as that, I like that you just M socked it. M M sock. M sock. M sock. I like it. M sock cove. M sock cove dot com. M sock. Don't don't go there. Do not. That sounds like it could you know have some iffy content. Uh, <laughs> tough tough road trip for women's soccer and god damn it just they these refs are we're gonna I'm gonna write a strongly worded letter to FIFA. I know you have a pretty important event coming up, but you really need to take a look. <laughs> this is some bullshit. Uh, yeah. They're... At the Dub Sock referees. Dub Sock Co. I just wanted to give a shout out uh, to belligerent Beavs athlete McKenna Martinez. JP talked about the Hacka McKenna strategy that UCLA employed last weekend. You know, Colorado did it, Utah did it. McKenna, this is what they did to Allen Iverson and Shaquille O'Neal. Only the fucking greats draw the ire of the defense. Of the entire defense. Of the entire defense. They're literally just like, I'm going to kick you in the fucking shin and maybe the ref won't call it. That's the only way. Or pull your hair or spit on you. Or pull your hair or spit on you or throw firecrackers under your car. I I don't know if anyone's done that. I don't want to insinuate anything like that. That's just an example of, you know. 
whatever what people do or, or, yeah. or bring or bring smoke bombs into pe park and set them off dur- during game action <laughs> like someone on this podcast podcast did central bobcats Bobcat on this Bobcat po- <laughs> Bobcat and podcast sound similar. Um, Central Catholics finest Benjamin Lawrence Sebastian Uh Oh, they're gonna say Atticus Sappington and Atticus Sappington and Blake Brandell uh, and anyone who went from Central Catholic to Ryan Nall, Ryan Nall, Ryan Gunderson. Ryan Gunderson, yeah, Ryan Gunderson. right. And if you went to Central Catholic and then went to the University of Oregon, then fuck you, yeah. Kevin Gunderson. That not not fuck you, Kevin Gunderson. <laughs> I'll edit this. Who's <laughs> don't don't edit this. This is... <laughs> who's 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 the fuck you, Kevin Gunderson? No, Kevin Gunderson's I... pitcher for Oregon State. Yes. I know. I yeah. said if you went to Central Catholic and then went to University of Oregon, then fuck you. And then immediately after that, you yelled Kevin Gunderson, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like you're in... <laughs> like we had shifted to naming Central Catholic ducks versus Central Catholic beeves. I don't name ducks. It's when Me shit either. like this happens. It's like, yeah, this podcast should have ended 40 minutes ago or 65 <laughs> episodes ago. I don't know. We got to get out of here. We've got more content coming to belligerentbeeves.com, uh, including belligerentbeeves.com slash merch. So buy a shirt, buy a hat, buy some dope gear. And, uh, yeah, tell them JP sent you. Yeah, tell him. JP will process the order, so he'll he'll know anyway. But Soldier tell, Boy, tell him. Tell JP. JP Soldier Boy. Seconds. Uh, come on, Terry. Silly. Kiss me no. through the phone. By <laughs> you want me to crank that? Play five yes. seconds to crank that. Thank you. Soldier Boy, I've been Why me crank it? Why me roll? Why me crank that Soldier Boy? Thank you so much. There's the whole. I'm a fan of the whole Soldier Boy catalog. So we could have gone a lot of different ways. Oh. It took, that was Gotta step to like that to find my soldier girl. <laughs> Make him say you, you, you. <laughs> this is why this is why my rap career ended in uh in the garage at JP's house in Corvallis. <laughs> Shout out 17th Street where everything's going down. Hey, you can rent the I, house now. Hi, house. You you sure can. Oh, yeah. we probably shouldn't uh, publicize actual house addresses on this podcast, but. Yeah. Just type in Hyphy House on Zillow and you'll find it. That's how it's <laughs> listed. Uh, thank you to everyone for tuning in to this episode of the Belligerent Beefs Podcast. I hope everyone is still turned the fuck up from that great, thrilling finish on the farm, which is what I think we're calling it. Uh, maybe that will find the finish on sure the farm. Yeah. Finish on the farm. After the beavers uh, were getting pounded. Minneapolis Miracle 2, but this time in Palo Alto, but also kind of in Minneapolis because that's where Terry was. That's going to have to be a really big shirt or a really small font and not catchy at all. Anyway, <laughs> bye <laughs> from, from all of us here at the Belligerent Beeves podcast. Uh, JP Bertram, he's at the Triel J on Twitter at the underscore Triel underscore J because he's too Triel to be real, and at JP Bertram on Instagram. And Benjamin Lawrence of Ashen Weehage, he's in Tacoma, Washington, the big Mariners fan. Uh, freaking out. Uh, you basically have a crazy sporting event to get your blood boiling every day for the rest of fall, Benny. So I know. Yeah, I'm so, excited. So good luck to you. He's Thank Benny you. with the good quaff. Benny Bedlam because he's fucking crazy. 
and he's at Benny L 1986 on all forms of social media. And I'm Terry Horseman. Hi, at Terry Horseman on Twitter. At Terrence Horseman on Instagram. And if you have not yet done so, please rate and review five stars only on the Belligerent Podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Title, Entertainment 720, wherever. Because we go around the world twice for our listeners. Rate and review five stars. Please recommend the show to a friend uh, if you haven't already done so. Thank you for, for holding us down. Beaver fam, everyone on the Beaver Patreon, on the uh, Belligerent Beavs Discord. We love you. Thank you to everyone who tuned into the Halftime Twitter Spaces. We'll see you at halftime again. Beavs vs. Coogs from Reeser. But until then, remember that you can fucking not spell chop them without hope. So chop them. Chop them. Chop them. And bring back Bernice, please. Thank you. Cut. Recording stopped. <laughs> Betty, I how think... fucking fucked up are you? <laughs> <laughs>